It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome in on this uh, 10th day of January. The month already slipping on through. Nice to have you with us uh, here. It is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game, streaming on 94.3thegame.com and available on the IBX Media app free. Or download at uh, the App Store and Google Play. There are no pre-roll ads when you download the app. And it is uh, something you just uh, go and uh, boom. You get all of the great uh, content from IBX Media and our stations. This one, Oldies 102.7 and 94.1. Talk 103.7 and 96.3. Oldies 107. Or excuse me, WNCT 107.9. Not Oldies. It's old school. Uh, but uh, it is... Uh, just the click of it. It's one of the easiest apps to navigate. And, uh, like I have elderly relatives, older relatives who have the app and it's very user friendly. You know, apps tend to concern, uh, maybe some of our seasoned citizens, but uh, it's a very easy app to download and listen to this show live or watch the video podcast of it or the video stream of it, the video podcast, the audio podcast for all of our shows on there. All right, uh, we got Brett Friedlander today from Saturday Road coming up in a little bit. Looking forward to having Brett on with us. Brett, uh, gonna talk, uh, the big game in the state tonight is NC State playing host to North Carolina. Number seven, UNC, uh, comes into the PNC arena. We'll see how it plays out, uh, tonight. 1900, uh, excuse me, 19,000 plus fans, uh, will be at a sold out PNC tonight for the, uh, Tar Heels and, um, Looking forward to it. I, I, I'm, I'm, there's, they're, they're fired up, NC State. So I, I might be, might be a flipping game between the ECU game, uh, until I see where uh, North Carolina starts to boat race NC State, then I just won't turn it back. It's the, it's the one, well, not the one. It's the third time in a year I root for, uh, actively root for NC State, Pilkington. Philip the Rep Pilkington, the producer of our show. So is it the this two is times, the, uh, two times they play Carolina basketball and the one time? That they play them in football, I guess, is the time you'll pull for yep. state. Other than that, not rooting for the Wolfpack. Sorry, just not. But tonight, I'm I'm Wolfpack Nation tonight, baby, against the Heels. Ultimate ABC -er. Uh We've got uh, so Brett Friedlander on that in a little bit. Uh, we'll preview the ECU game coming up in a few minutes. Uh, run through some of the numbers for you. Uh, some news today out of the NFL. Kind of the second day in a row, Pilk, that uh, a little bit of a, I don't say questionable, but but certainly a, kind of an eyebrow-raising move was made. And this was uh, the uh, announcement today that Pete Carroll is leaving the sidelines for the Seahawks. He will stay in the front office in some capacity. But uh, Pete Carroll, who's won something like 140 games, at a Super Bowl, it's not going to coach anymore in Seattle. That's interesting to me. 
Do you have any comments? On okay, that? I didn't know if that was you throwing it to me. Yeah, I think with this, I was hoping you'd pick it up without okay. me having to say. And Pilkington, sorry. What do you think? Sorry, I, I'm a little under the weather. You know, it's it's a head cold. So, um, I think this is Seattle's way of saying we are going to rebuild. We are not running with Geno Smith. We are going to start from scratch, and we do not want a guy who is 72, going to be 73 in September, the head coach of a rebuild, because by the time this thing gets rebuilt, he will be at retirement age, and we want a coach who can rebuild and then stay here with said players that we build around. But so, wait, does the rebuild ever ever work? Does the rebuild ever really work? I mean, you, you rebuild and you end up firing the guy you're going to rebuild with. And somebody else comes in and they reap the benefits. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But you're thinking of it from a logical standpoint. They're thinking of it as <laughs> our rebuild is going to be perfect. We're going to hire this guy. And in three years, we are going to be Super Bowl contenders. And it's going to be all sunshines and rainbows. And that is what is going to their mindset. So they don't want a soon-to-be 73-year-old at the helm for that. They want him to be part of this rebuild. They still clearly trust him. But um, they're going to go out and they're going to get a quarterback, whether it be via the draft Maybe a, uh, a younger agent. guy, free agent, yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. they don't want, soon as that quarterback is getting comfortable for the 73, what would then be 75, 76-year-old head coach, say, oh, well, I'm 76 years old, it's time for me to hang it up. So that's my guess as to where they're staying on this. I mean, obviously, I don't know anyone in the organization, don't know for sure, but that's kind of what it's telling me. This is an educated guess is what, you're, is what I'm getting Correct. from you on this you know uh no word yet on what's going on up in new england with bill belichick and uh, the Vrabel the Vrabel thing i've thought about this I, this may be hot takery this may be a little bit of a conspiracy so they were waiting they're waiting to speak to uh belichick is it next week or is it l later on this week or is it next week which one is it i mean either way it's kind of ridiculous i was under the impression it was gonna be like early next week but I, I don't think okay, they've really so, – they've not been clear about anything, though. So what do we really right. know? Imagine yeah. that, New England operating in a gray area. So let's just assume that it's early next week. I think there were some overtures sent out, perhaps some back channels to, to Vrabel, who was at Tennessee and got fired yesterday, that, hey, we'd like you to possibly take this job. But we can't and we're not going to – you know, lose draft capital or anything to get you over. Can you get fired? And he got fired. Or he may have even gone in and said, look, guys, I think this is not where it needs to be. Because, I mean, I, I didn't get the impression he was disliked terribly in Nashville. Did you? Am I reading, misreading that on Mike Rabel? I mean, he kind of breathed life into that. They've had some injuries the last couple of years, and I know the seasons haven't been what they thought it would be. But they also gave a guy who's a game manager franchise money at quarterback. Yeah, no, I'm right. Yeah, I, I think they do like him. You know, his first four years there, he takes him to the playoffs. He goes to New England and wins, and what ended up being Tom Brady's last game in a Patriot uniform. And to your point, but the I'm quarterback saying, situation is messed he, up this year, and they yeah. they won some games. He had no business winning. He proves he can still be a good coach. But I think what there's what he, what he's done is he said, "Look, guys, I want out," and they've let him out. That's what I think. Or he knew they were going to ask for something. He, he knew they were going to ask for something, the franchise. And Vrabel dug in his heels and unrelented on it, and they said, well, we have no choice but to get rid of you. 
I think he knew that this New England thing is a possibility. And it was not, they thought it would take a little longer than it did to wriggle out of that. And he just got fired. So that's what I think. I think he will be your next coach in New England. It's, a cons- it's my conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy theory, but I would say it's, it's not a dumb one by any means. I Would it surprise me if what you're saying is true? No, it would not surprise me at all. Would it surprise me that we find out what you're saying is true? Absolutely, because it'll never it'll never come out publicly, but it wouldn't surprise me if that is what happened. And that's kind of the skullduggery that the Patriots would participate in through the back channels so they didn't have to give up any draft capital or anything, right? That's Robert Kraft. A total baby. Patriot move. That's a total Patriot move, Patriot way move. Uh, and I think Belichick will wind up in either Atlanta or Washington. No San Diego? Or L.A. Or L- LA, whatever the hell they're called now? Yeah, L.A., yeah. One of the three he'll wind up. I I think all three will f- show interest. I think the situation – well, the other thing is this. If they're going to draft – I think McShay had it today that Drake May was going to be drafted by the commandos at number two. Does it excite him to have Drake May as your quarterback, or are you are you more all in on Herbert because he is a proven commodity? I, I think the LA job's the most appealing of, of any of them out there because you've got your quarterback and oh, you've got a good defense. I, I couldn't agree more, especially in this era of football. The quarterback is more important than it's ever been. The days of Jim McMahon and Trent Dilford winning Super Bowls are over. I think the LA job is by far the sexiest, even if you get Drake May. God only knows that the quarterback's going to be in Atlanta next year. So, um, yeah, it's definitely number one. But, you know, he could have a different mindset than we do. And to your point, he could find the Washington job more appealing. But if I was Bill Belichick, I'd be, say, send me to beautiful, sunny Southern California right, where the say, weather's nice and, warm and, it's, and you right. got a shiny new uh, quarterback. Yeah. Right. And there's not uh, feet of snow on the ground. Pirate report as we get ready for ECU basketball tonight. Hit it. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Brett Friedlander is coming up in a little bit, so stand by for that. Uh, We'll talk to him. But first, uh, ECU at Temple tonight. Pirates, of course, left Monday night because of the uh, potential of the inclement weather yesterday. It didn't really arrive in eastern North Carolina until a little later in the day, but it was going through Raleigh, I guess, in the airport. Well, they wouldn't have gone to Raleigh. They'd have flown out of Greenville. So, yeah, kind of a tough call to make because, you know, it was racing here and you didn't know when it was going to arrive. Uh, but uh, they had to go ahead and make a call, and they made the right call, I think, by going up. They could have gone up today. And Mike Swartz wasn't adverse to that, but uh, I think that's you, you start to you start to put yourself a little bit behind the eight ball travel-wise if some things don't go right for whatever reason. So, uh, and, and that's, you know, there's the Philadelphia airport backed up. Our flights coming in backed up, that kind of thing. So, uh, they took off Monday, arrived, spent the day yesterday in Philadelphia, and, uh, we'll be playing at the Course Center tonight in Philly, uh, ESPN Plus, but you can hear it locally here on the ECU Sports Network on 107.9 WNCT and 94.3, the game beginning at 6.30 with a 7 o'clock tip-off. Uh, and the uh, Pirates are coming off a 62-57 win over Tulsa. First conference win in Minji's. Brandon Johnson, the go-ahead three in the final minute to give the Pirates the win. ECU 1-1 one and one in league play. The Owls are 8-7. and seven. 
and uh, they are one and one in league play. They picked up a 68-61 win over Wichita State over the weekend. They started their season with a loss to USF. Uh, Adam Fisher is their first coach. They're 203 in the net currently. Pirates are 220. The Owls are uh, led in scoring by Heiser Miller, averaging over 17 a game. Jaleel White is uh, scoring over 12 a game and six and a half rebounds. He's been a little in and out of the lineup this year. Jordan Riley, 11 and a half and nearly six boards. They have uh, hoisted a league, league, a league leading 434 three point attempts. They're averaging 29 threes attempted per game. Uh, they are making, uh, they've made 118 threes so far. Uh, they're averaging over nearly nine three pointers made per game. And, uh, that is uh, a full shot more than the Pirates 7.6 they allow in three point hits. Pirates have not been unreal running teams off the three point arc. Uh, Owls are shooting 30% from deep. They were 12 of 37 for three against Wichita State. Miller Doc knocked down four threes. In fact, several different players attempted a three in that game. Uh, I should say attempted three threes, at least in that game. Uh, the Pirates are 4-11 and 11 all-time against Temple. Three wins coming in Greenville, another in the conference tournament, so they're 0-7 all-time in Philadelphia, searching for their first win over the Owls since 2020. R.J. Felton, of course, leads the way for the Pirates at 16.3 a game. Brandon Johnson at 14.8 and 9.2 rebounds. Ezra Rizard over 13. All right, Pilk, little rockin' Rod Stewart. First concert I ever saw was Rod Stewart at Walnut Creek as a young teenager. It was a family trip. I might not even been a teenager yet. That was the we co- went with my man. I was gonna say that was the closest you were ever to a professional soccer player. Because we know you do not watch. It was. He was still doing the kicking the balls into the uh, to the stands there. Uh, rockin' Rod. This is when he was rockin' Rod, not Showtune Stewart. Now he's a hybrid of both, but 79 years old today, or years young, should I say. The great Rod Stewart. I love his hair. Jealous of his hair. One of the great songs, period, is Maggie May. And we got it for you going to break. When we come back, Brett Friedlander talking the ACC from Saturday Road, and we'll preview NC State and UNC tonight. Taking the rage out of your drive home. But it's no big deal. Patrick Johnson on 94.3 The Game and the new IBX Media app. Welcome back on the Patrick Johnson Show. We have uh, ECU basketball tonight at Temple. We uh, previewed that for you. We'll give you some more deets before we uh, say goodbye here today. Right now, though, we go to our guest line where SaturdayRoad.com's Brett Friedlander joins us on the Patrick Johnson Show for the first time in 2024 after emerging as one of the great guests in 2023 Friedlander is uh back all right Brett a little bit here you'll head uh, up the road to UNC uh, and uh, NC State from Raleigh we'll talk about that game I want to start though with uh well the the big story kind of ending 23 Florida State uh and uh, when last we talked to you I think we talked about the lawsuit they had not played their bowl game yet Twitter or X got wrong that, hey, they, they don't belong going somewhere else. Look what's happening to them today. Um, yes, look what did happen to them against Georgia. It wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. Uh, but when you well, have 30-some. It, like it was like an NFL exhibition game, basically. You had all right. the 
now all the free agents and walk-ons and third stringers playing because 15 out of 22 starters either opted out or were injured so or had transferred. So it really wasn't Florida State. It was just a bunch of guys dressed up as Florida State. And right. Clearly the game meant more to Georgia, and they had their starters, and it was ugly. But yeah, y- you can't make any judgments over what would have happened if Florida State had gotten into the playoff because it was a totally different team. Does FSU's athletic leadership conceive of the idea that they will be more likely to be a playoff team if they stay in the ACC now? I don't think it matters to them because I think just from listening to the complaints of their board of trustees when, you know, when they've had their public meetings, this is about money. This is about the, the disparity between the amount of money that they're getting from their TV deal of the ACC and their neighbors, Florida are, uh, with, um, right. with, with, with the SEC. And I think that's the, the, the whole root of this. I don't think it really matters. I think that they've completely overstated their value and overstated their ability to, to recruit and to draw, you know, uh, attention. I, I think they honestly believe if they get in the SEC, they'll still be able to get into the playoff. But, um, good luck. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> It's a tough neighborhood to say uh, the least. All right, what's the next? Because this isn't exactly on a fast track. So, what's the next uh, happening or or earmarked date in this that we should pay attention to or time period? Well, neither the lawsuit that has been filed has uh, gotten a, a trial date yet, um, mm-hmm. and so we have to wait to see that. My guess is that the one in Charlotte that the ACC filed against Florida State. Right, because that's overlooked in all this. That's overlooked in all this. (laughs) And I think that's going to be the first one that gets decided because I don't think you can have the second one, the one in Florida, the the one where they're trying to get out of the grant of rights, until you decide whether they have the ability to get out of the grant of rights, which is what the ACC is claiming. So I, I, I think we're going to have to wait to see which one goes first and if, you know, how that goes, uh, There'll be discovery. This is going to be a long process. This is not going to get settled, I don't think, in 2024. Right, um, right. And, and even when it does, whoever loses is going to appeal. And so I think this could go into 2025, 2026. And to be honest with you, uh, I, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, so don't take this as the gospel, but reading the, the, the lawsuit as I have, um, to me, Florida State's best argument is that it's a it's a crappy um, a crappy contract, and it is. <laughs> but here's yeah. the problem: they willingly they signed, signed it. it twice. Yeah. Right. So, you know, Brent I, I think their end game, Patrick. I think their end game really is to try to force the ACC or coerce the ACC into negotiating some sort of settlement that would allow them to get out of the league at a reduced rate. But that's not going to happen. This is a hill the no. ACC is going to literally die on because they're either going to win this and keep this thing intact until 2036 or however long it is before uh, um, before college football re you know organizes itself, or they're going to die now because if they let Florida State out, then oh, Clemson's going to come to the door, North Carolina, Miami, right. and that's going to be the Virginia. end of the ACC. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's over at that point. Uh, reporter, award-winning columnist Brett Friedlander, Saturday Road, is with us here. Let's assume the uh, this plays out and the Charlotte lawsuit or the uh, Charlotte trial happens first, the ACC suit against uh, Florida State. Um, 
there, there's nothing that would lead us to believe that the grant of rights has any cracks in it. Now, this is the first challenge legally. Does the ACC want discovery, however? I, I don't know. I, I don't think it really matters because I think that there has been discovery. I think every every conference member has had their lawyers to Charlotte in that little vault with the ACC representative there watching them like a hawk. I, I, I think they've all read through this thing. I think they've, they've already picked through this with a fine-tuned comb because if they hadn't and if they had already found something to get out of this, that it would be over already. I, I think they've been through this. And and Florida State is basically throwing up a prayer here. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Um, how are things around those? Uh, do you foresee those things being around those Amelia Island meetings and uh, and those league <laughs> office uh, those those uh, conference uh, of member get-togethers with the uh, with the the you know the the tribal chiefs of the uh, of the ACC? How how will those cocktail parties be going down? Let's put it this way. I don't think Boo Corrigan and anybody involved with Florida State will be playing golf or, or hanging out at the bar together. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk uh, what's going on right now, basketball. Uh, before we get Please. to NC State and uh, UNC, and, of course, you can hear that game on our sister stations, uh, Oldies 94.1 and 102.7 this evening. Um, so with, uh, with Duke last night, uh, played their best game of the season, Pitt did not look very good. The 23, 22-point spread, whatever it was, not indicative of how out of reach this game truly was. Uh, the Blue Devils only got two guys in double figures, but right now it seems like they're playing uh, as if they're not worried about who's doing the scoring. Um, if we get this version of Duke from here on out, what do you think the Blue Devil ceiling is? I think the Blue Devil ceiling is already high. Um, and if they continue to play like this, uh, you know, they could go – very far. Now, here's the problem. I think it all depends on matchups in March because if they te- if they play a big team, one that could really hurt them inside, I think Duke's going to have a problem no matter how well they're playing because last year they had Derek Lively and he was a you know, rim protector and he could get rebounds, and they don't have that this year. Kyle Filipowski is not a true five-man, and you know Ryan Young is a serviceable backup uh, Mark Mitchell is a, is a, you know, an energetic guy who can get on the boards, but they, they'll have a hard time defending the low post. If they play Purdue, Zach Eady will kill them. But, uh, if they play teams that, that will not expose their weakness, that no, that no matter what John Shire does, he's not going to be able to fix, then I think they can go to the final four. But it all depends on who they run into and when they run into them. This team right now, you can make the argument, is better with Caleb Foster at the point. Um, and for Tyrese Proctor, this would come from the life comes at you pretty fast file. Now, he had an injury, and he's still trying to work his way back in. But right now, Foster looks like the better option at the point to run the show. It does. And here's the thing about Ty- Tyrese Proctor. Last year, he got off to a slow start as well. And if they can get the Tyrese Proctor that finished last year, that'll make him even better. And and I think the experience that he has will definitely help. But if it doesn't happen, you're right. Caleb Foster is is proving to be a, a you know really effective guy. And you know, hey, listen, depth is a good thing, especially if you're going to play the way John Shire wants to play. So if you can get them both playing pretty well, uh, that's a plus. 
UNC and NC State tonight. By the way, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but uh, it would seem like Duke is uh, it would seem like Duke is probably poised to let out some more frustration on Georgia Tech <laughs> Saturday. Uh, but we'll see. I would think we'll that they've see. got it coming. Yes. Yes, but uh, we, we'll see. That's where you. Uh, that's where you. It's why you play the game. All right. Uh, two unbeaten teams left in the ACC: North Carolina and NC State. How good is this Wolfpack team? Well, first of all, it is the first time since 1974, January 22nd, 1974, that both Carolina and NC State play each other at 3-0 in the ACC. So this is a big deal. Um, and we know Carolina is really starting to round into form. I think they've proven over the last four or five games that they're the real deal. <coughs> Excuse me, because they've, they've learned how to play defense. They're getting better in the half court. And... Uh, Hubert Davis is learning how to use his bench. Go figure. Uh, I think State has really shown that it's it's got the pieces, but we're going to find out how good they are tonight. I think one thing that really helps and one thing that makes this NC State team a little bit different, yeah, they've got a lot of uh, backcourt scoring potential. They're, they're really deep. They've got a lot of guards who can put the ball in the basket. He can do a lot of combinations. But this year's team can can battle UNC up front. Excuse me. DJ Burns not really the defensive guy, but he can score inside. But if you really need to stop Armando Baycott, he can throw Ben Middlebrooks in there. He can throw Muhammad Diara in there. And he's got options in the front court, too. And uh, I think um, uh, Dennis uh, Parker Jr. is really starting to blossom as well. It's a deep team. Uh, I think it's the deepest team Kevin Keats has had, which has allowed him to, to, to press full court and play that. That, that up-tempo style for the entire game that he's wanted to play for, what, five years now and really hasn't because of injuries and because of guys who, who were supposed to come and didn't. So I'm really looking forward to this because I think this is more of a measuring stick for NC State than it is for Carolina. I, yeah. think, I think we're starting to see who Carolina is. Right now, I think we still are learning who NC State can be. We're talking to Brett Friedlander uh, with uh, Saturday Road. He'll be covering uh, – NC State hosting UNC uh, tonight from uh, the PNC Arena. It almost feels like for NC State to win, this needs to be a high-possession game, although UNC is scoring more than North Carolina State on average so far this season. But the Wolfpack, despite extending the defense a little more, they don't seem like they're crazy about guarding you necessarily. That could be a problem uh, with the Tar Heels. But uh, does this have to be a game in the 80s? you think, for either side to, to really feel comfortable like they have a shot to win? I think it's going to be a game in the 80s because both teams want to play this way. I mean, Carolina, when it gets to, Carolina wants to get up and down the court as well, so I think this is going to be a track meet. But I think, I think State has started to defend. Uh, look at the Notre Dame game. I mean, that's the reason they won that game. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they were awful offensively, but uh, you know, they, they kept the score down. They kept you know, the game within reach. And then over the last four minutes, they outscored Notre Dame eight nothing when it when it mattered. Uh, look what they did to Virginia. So I, you know, I, I think State can defend. But yes, I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think it maybe first one to ninety wins. With North Carolina, some older guys that want to win, as you said, Hubert Davis has maybe figured out his rotation uh, somewhat, uh, and uh, as a result, they are they're playing pretty well. What is their ceiling? What's the what's the What's the limit for this Tar Heel team in your mind right now? I think this Tar Heel team could, could go to the Final Four. I think that they could challenge. I don't know if they could win it, 
but uh, they're they've got the potential that you know. Listen, they've got experience, which you you know it, it still matters in March. They've got size, they've got some versatility, and again, like I said, Hubert is learning how to use his bench. He's using uh, uh, Seth Trimble and Jaren, uh, uh, Jalen Washington. They're getting good minutes now. I mean, against Clemson, he had seven guys that played 20 or more minutes. And, and I think that that makes them better late in games. And I think it's going to be, make them better late in the season. And I think it makes them better defensively because you can go. You don't have to, to, you know, pace yourself. And a lot of times guys are going to pace themselves on the defensive end. And so I, I think that this Carolina has an unlimited ceiling. With Virginia, a couple of uh, blowouts, NC State, also the non-conference game at Memphis, which I'm sure Tony Bennett uh, perhaps secretly liked because uh, it opened his eyes, his team's eyes potentially to something and, and gave him something to coach to as far as film, and we know a coach loves loves that. Uh, is Virginia a bubble team, or do you think that they've got a, a chance to work their way up the standings? Well, if they've got a chance to work their way up their standings, uh, the standings, they better not wait too much longer to do it. Um, I, I, they've got a problem on the road, and that's where their their worst performances have come. They also have a problem defensively, which is really kind of amazing when you're talking about a Tony Bennett team. Um, listen, the pack line defense is something that is 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 it's it's an acquired skill. And he's got a lot of new pieces. Yeah, they've got a lot of veteran players, but they come from other programs. And he's teaching that right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they improve and how they embrace that defense come, say, the 1st of February. But uh, they play another tough road game on Saturday at Wake yeah. Forest. And so uh, let's see how they do there, because I think they're going to have a real problem with that Wake Forest team that's got – you know, an incredible amount of scoring potential um, and and some serious size inside with Efton Reed. And um, I, it's going to be a big test. And they can't afford to really fall too much further behind because, you know, if they get into situations where they have to play out of character, uh, they're not built for that. Demon Deacons, uh, by the way, had their nine-game win streak snapped at FSU last night, but they're 9-0 and at home. How good is Wake Forest? I think they're a real deal. I think they're a tournament team. I wouldn't really put too much weight into last night. Uh, last night they played pretty well. They scored, what, 80 points or 78 yeah. points? Um, yeah. I, I thought that Florida State's defense really made a difference in that game. <clears throat> they, they really got after it and put the ball in the basket, which when Florida State scores, they're going to be really good because Leonard Hamilton is one of those guys who really stresses defense. They've won four in a row. They seem to be figuring it out. Um, and the other thing, too, I thought Wake Forest, when they battled back and took the lead with about three minutes to go, it's almost like they took a deep breath. You know, they took their foot off the accelerator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they got down by seven again, and now the game's over. But uh, I'm, I'm more impressed with Florida State last night than I am ready to say, okay, well, Wake Forest was exposed. I think they're a tournament team. I think they're really good. I think that it's going to really be interesting to see how the the tournament committee in March judges them, because the first seven games that they played, they were four and three, and they lost to you know some games that they probably should have won. I'm thinking the the Georgia game was one of them, and they did it before Efton Reed was uh, ruled eligible before he got his waiver from the NCAA. Uh, they are ten and one since then, and so. 
You know, they're a completely different team. So if Florida State got kept out of the football playoff because they were a different team than they were before their, their right. star player went out, <clears throat> then Wake Forest should be judged as a different team after their star player was added. Does Kenny Payne make it through the season at Louisville? I think he does because there was some buzz after they just got just hammered by Kentucky just before Christmas that that was going to be the end and he was going to get fired. He wasn't going to survive it. And their athletic director came out and said that making a change of a coaching change during the season really doesn't help the program. It's, it's counterproductive. And so I think he's going to stick around for the rest of the season. And I think that he's going to either step down or be relieved of his duties once it's over because it's not working. What is, who, who would be a fit right now as you see it in that job? Like right this wow. second, if, 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 if you obviously it might be somebody who's got another job, maybe somebody who's taking their gap year, I don't know. But, but who would you <laughs> say is the fit there? Because there's tradition and there's commitment. Yeah, there is. And, you know, listen, the, the, the athletic department uh, is, is not necessarily in bad shape now. I mean, they had some issues, but their football team played in the ACC championship game. Their women's basketball team has been one of the nation's best for a while now. Uh, I think it's a good job. I don't know who would take it, though. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's a mess, and, and it's going to have to get cleaned up. But with the transfer portal, uh, it's possible it to, to, you know, to, to build it quickly. But, uh, wow, I, I don't know who would take it. Brett, uh, tonight, who wins and why between North Carolina and NC State? Carolina should win. They're the better team. But I got a feeling State's going to win this thing because it's going to be a zoo in there. The atmosphere is going to be crazy. Uh, you're going to have a team that is really, I think, hungry to prove that it belongs. This is their opportunity to do something they haven't done in a really long time. If they win this, they're going to be all alone atop the ACC. Granted, yeah. there are 16 more games to play after this, but it's one of those things like take a picture of the standings because, you know, you never know how long that's going to last. <laughs> but I, I just think there's more on the line for NC State. I just, you know, they've won two out of the last three meetings that they've played against the Tar Heels at PNC. And, and I think that, uh, I, I think they're going to do it. Just, just a gut feeling. Great stuff. Hey, Brett, uh, thank you as always. We'll talk to you soon down the road. I'm sure at some point, uh, next month or so, but uh, thanks as always. Anytime, Pat. All right, more of the Patrick Johnson Show coming up. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Bilk is bought in on the uh, rock and rod stuff today. How about that? I mean, it's his birthday. You know? All right. It makes my job easy. Yeah. Well, it's true. All right. Here we go. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. How about uh, Dimitri Ravanos was right. Nick Saban retiring at the end of the season. Uh, this will be uh, in the uh, pantheon of sports. You'll remember where you were kind of day. We were on the air when it came out. Does this surprise you, Pilk? Uh, no, it doesn't. The minute he started going on Pat McAfee's show in the middle of the season, let me you know that was... something was up. Yeah, had he not been doing that, I'd have been caught off guard. Or had he been doing that in, uh, 
right before spring ball, so March-ish, I wouldn't have been surprised, but he was doing it in the middle of the season. And that's kind of when I started predicting this was going to be his last year. And uh, that's right, Coach Martin, I predicted it. You said he wasn't leaving. If you're listening, Coach Martin. Yeah, Doug, Doug for the said pilk. he wasn't going to go anywhere. Doug said he would uh, prac- He would coach until uh, he could coach no more. Um, I am of the opinion that he'll be on television. And I don't know where Alabama goes. There's not exactly a in-house you know, heir apparent. Anybody they would want to go after or go after is on the outside and probably has an appreciable buyout. Um, I'd be interested to see what Dabo Sweeney does. The Dabo Sweeney thing in Clemson had gotten really uncomfortable this year. And I think they would be the first to admit that it was not the season that they wanted to have. But uh, Dabo didn't embrace the transfer portal. And as a result, he had what you have at Clemson as a bit of a rebuilding year. And that's not good enough at Clemson. They had some impressive wins. They beat Notre Dame. They beat UNC. But this isn't what, um, you know, you would call vintage, vintage Clemson. Um, does that unwillingness at a place like Alabama to go into the portal disqualify Dabo as a, a possibility? I've seen James Franklin's name. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's no, no lack of, of anyone out there as far as, you know, coaches that are winning at places. It's just a matter of can you get them to be pried loose from their, um, can you get them to be pried loose from their, uh, buyout? Cause the buyout's going to be appreciable for any of these guys. But Nick Saban announcing he's retiring today. Really nuts. Crazy thought. What if Harbaugh Mm -hmm. goes there? After everything that's gone down at Michigan, what if he doesn't want to go to the NFL and Jim Harbaugh goes to Alabama? By the way, uh, Kirby Smart might also be a name the the Bama people want to go after. Um, I don't don't think Harbaugh – if Harbaugh's going to – Remain in college coaching, he'll remain at Michigan. His problem necessarily wasn't with Michigan, it's with the NCAA. Yeah, true. You know? Yeah, it's a good point. So now, I, I, you know, there have been rumblings that he and the AD, you know, don't play to, play nice. Uh, there's a lot of Michigan fans who think the AD is not the right fit there and doesn't have a whole lot of uh, gumption. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that – I like, you know, just from kind of a fantasy uh, booking standpoint, I think that would be kind of interesting. But I, I also don't know if he'd fit down there. You know? It's a different world down there. It is. You're right. Um, yeah. I got Kirby Smart, Dabo, uh, Sarkeesian. Now that I could see. So, I saw somebody put Mike Norvell – do you think Ryan that? Day, or is that coming from the Big no. Ten still too weird? No, I think I think I, I I'm not I'm not sold on Ryan Day yet. You know? Yeah, he can't even beat Michigan. 
I mean, Michigan didn't well, win the Natty, but he's lost three years in a row. When's the last right. time Ohio State it's lost? No it's no coincidence. It's no coincidence they're not what they were as Michigan's gotten better, right? True. I mean, that's the ebb and the flow of that rivalry. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. That's going to be the big thing, and I just don't think there's anybody internally that makes sense. And I don't think Alabama's going to be desperate enough that they're going to take the guy who maybe it's starting to go sideways at another place and they're staying ahead of the villagers. See, maybe USC with Lincoln Riley and he got out while the getting was good of Oklahoma. Does that make sense, Pilk? Yeah, but I still think with how rough this season was, it would surprise me in only one year at SC that he would go, but you never know. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just giving that as an example. Uh, uh, I mean, what I'm saying yeah. is Lincoln left – Norman to go to USC to stay ahead of the, you know, the yeah, discord. I got you. And USC was just desperate enough. Oh, this guy wants to come here. Okay. In other words, I don't see Alabama being in a position where they're going to be so desperate. They're going to take somebody in that situation. There's somebody out there who we perceive as having a really good situation and a really good career and has had a really good run where they are. But if you start to peel back the layers of the onion, the natives are getting restless and the villagers with the torches are coming. And so somebody you see bail from a perceived really good, I mean, Chip Kelly kind of at Notre Dame, you know, familiarity breeds contempt and in college coaching, it certainly does. So, but I think they'll be able to have a, a cream of the crop, get who they want kind of pick in, uh, in, in Tuscaloosa. Try to get Dimitri tomorrow, maybe Friday if we can't get him tomorrow. And this is obviously a big enough story. It'll travel. We got uh, Zoki tomorrow uh, with us on the program. Pirate basketball tonight. Uh, they'll be taking on Temple at 7 o'clock in Philadelphia. And uh, we'll be on the air with uh, coverage on the ECU Sports Network at 6.30 on 107.9 WNCT and 94.3 The Game. By the way, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it, Pilk. The women are in action tonight. They are. At home? Yep. Is, it, is it UAB? The Blazers. UAB. Gotcha. So, uh, Micah Dennis, as uh, Pilk said a little bit ago, uh, out for the year. And uh, that certainly, I think, hampers the uh, ECU women's team drastically because uh, now they've had a couple of guards out for the year with uh, knee injuries or with injuries. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That will be that. Jim Zoki tomorrow. Uh, I know we're going to have Mull on Friday, and uh, like I say, we'll try to either get Dimitri tomorrow or Dimitri Friday. I- I'd love to talk to him because he called this thing. Now, Dimitri says it is Saban going to go to the uh, to the desk at uh, game day. So, could you see could you see that program have a big change in its day us? Uh, Could Lee Corso be maybe sailing off into the sunset, and Saban kind of takes that grandfatherly ex-coach role? A hundred percent. Corso struggles to put sentences together more than President Biden. He needs to go. I love Lee Corso, but it's time. Saban would be the perfect replacement. I think that would be a great move by ESPN. And you could still do something with Corso by putting him on uh, maybe a video where he does the pick with the headset. Yeah, like he the, did uh, from piece. his house during COVID. He he came on for the last yeah. segment. Yeah, do that. I don't care if he shows up and does it in person, but just do the pick, do the head pick, call it a day. Get out of there.
Yeah. And that's kind of what he's been relegated to. But but does Saban take that role and, and reinvent that role as a, as a contributing analyst uh, with the they, pick? They Saban's, really, Saban's really – yeah, they do need it. Saban's <laughs> really got – yeah, I watched that show a couple times this year when they were in certain places just because I was fascinated to see where they were going to be on that campus and how it was going to play. And, I mean, that's a tough watch. And I know some of you out there, this is sacrilege. But, I mean, that is some bad television. Well, losing, that, is a, that is a three-hour slog, and it's not fun. They screwed up getting rid the, of David Pollock. That was their best. Oh, yeah. David Pollock was the well, best the, one they had. The picks at the end are fun, but I don't think Pollock could help it. It's just a bad show. It's a bad concept. And it's kind of the legend of the show's better than the show. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're saying. I don't hate you it as much as you a guy do, in, but, Yeah. Well, it's just hard to watch. Tough to watch for three hours. Brutal. And nobody wants to say anything. It's just, it's. All right. Um, big thanks to Brett Friedlander for being on with us today. Pirates play at seven tonight at Temple. Catch you tomorrow.